welcome to episode 59 of Penny Red. I'm very fortunate to have uh, Pete Figtree with me uh, this evening, the man behind the Ruthless Diastema um, blogcast. Go to ruthlessd.com and you can listen to... Uh, he says some ramblings, but uh, I, I find that extremely unlikely. And uh, my, I'm hoping that my zoology uh, background is keep, uh, putting me in good stead here, but a diastema is the, the gap between the front teeth and the grinding molars, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, oh there you go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully you won't be too ruthless with me. You put the diastema uh, uh, sign up. So um, just so people have got a bit of uh, an idea about what they're going to find at uh, ruthlessd.com, um, can you tell us about your blogcast? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a teacher, and uh, it started out uh, mainly talking about uh, how to use games in the classroom or how I do use them or trying to come up with ideas. And it's, um, it continues to do that, but it's also expanded into, um, I don't know, looking at life through a gamer's eyes. Sure. At least the, t the tagline is um, loading the dice for a meaningful life. Well, there you go. There you go. Because I'm actually a, a teacher myself. Um, and so one of the things I really wanted to get you uh, on to talk about was uh, using games in education. You don't have to rehash um, anything that you've gone over if you don't want to. But uh, for the benefit of those that perhaps haven't heard Ruthless Deal, maybe you might want to tease us. What sort of games have you used in the classroom and what particular aspects have you found to be particularly useful in, uh, in general? And then people can maybe go and check out the specifics of any given game on your, on your uh, podcast there. Absolutely. I would say the ones that are uh, the most rigorous that I've been able to use in, in that way, that uh, if uh, principals were to come in and, and observe the lesson um, and they'd be pleased, probably be story games. I would say uh, I've had great success with um, The Plays the Thing by Magpie Games. It's a right. game of Shakespearean actors. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. And so uh, what else have you tried in the classroom? Have you done uh, Atomic, uh, not Atomic Robot, sorry, Happy Birthday Robot? You know, I have not. It's on the list. Um, I'm, in, I'm in high school, but I could still totally use it. Mm. Uh, I've used uh, Ribbon Drive by um, Buried Without, uh, whoa, Without Ceremony, Joe McDaldno, right. the Monster right. Hearts guy. Right. Um, and bits and pieces of other games like PDQ and uh, Lady Blackbird Template. A right. bunch of different sure. things. Sure. And do you find that uh, kids are, for the most part, responsive to it? Or does it require a bit of cajoling to start with? Because even though it's been, you know, 25, well, 30 years maybe even, uh, since it's really been front and centre in the media, do kids still know what tabletop role-playing is? Or do you bypass that whole conversation altogether and say, hey, we're going to play a creative storytelling game here. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, I could go with the second, the second route, and and you know these new style games are so much more like that. I don't think most of them necessarily even make the connection. Mm, that's right. All right, good, good. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your role playing uh, history, a little bit of your role playing background. How long have you been a role player? Well, cumulatively, probably only about mm, seven years, maybe. Sure. But uh, when did you first get a taste for it? Because oftentimes people play and then they go away and then they come back and that sort of thing. That's the story. And my, my story is very typical. I just uh, was playing some sort of version of uh, Dungeons & Dragons when I was in my teens, maybe 13, 14. Right. I remember being so excited about that. And then the, um, I don't know if you want to call it a phase, but we played uh, Boot Hill <laughs> a little bit and um, Toon, I think. And then right. somehow it, it, it phased into the background until... Uh, some students asked me to start uh, to take over the chess club, right. and it, it just grew from there. They started bringing magic cards. I started 
realizing, holy smokes, there's all these new weird games out there, and then right. the addiction set in. Right, right. And uh, so you still do you still play Magic at all? I was talking to Jennifer Steen, episode twenty. She's the Genocides lady, and and she was saying how uh, how she sort of got into Magic, and she's you know spending far too much of her money on buying new cards <laughs> and so forth. Um, yeah, I know she's really into that. Uh, no, actually. Um, when my older son was home, it was fun way for us to kind of hang out and buy those. But uh, right now, I'm the I'm the type. I just would rather go get the dual decks and play it as a standalone right, sure. game. Yeah, my son's a little bit too young to sort of grasp the subtleties of of the of the game yet. But I suspect in the next few years he'll be uh, he'll be uh, onto that. And uh, so you started with some Dungeons and Dragons and played some Boot Hill, and then uh, you left it alone for fifteen oh, years. Longer than that. 20 years? Sometime. Uh, Long period of time. So longer you than that. On the, uh, you missed out on Rollmaster and uh, oh, yeah. and uh, sort of all the White Wolf stuff? Yep. Yeah, And then came to... Ah, let's see. The first game that I bought coming back was uh, Don't Rest Your Head, actually. Right. Yep. And, and then... Uh, you know, and so what else have you got? Have you sort of followed the, uh, the sort of the fate arc? Like, did you get that as it came out or is that just you heard about it and then you, you purchased it, but there was already spirit of the century and so forth on the go. Yeah. I think uh, I just started listening to as many podcasts as I possibly could more than any human should. And uh, really, really <laughs> there still, are, there are plenty to, of them out there. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. And so I, I listened to some of the really great old ones. Um, the old Paul Tevis one, that was really, mm. really good. Yeah. Uh, have, have games will travel. Um, right. Let me see. Let me stick to your question. I think I had Don't Rest Your Head, and then I kept hearing about Spirit of the Century. Right. Uh, I've only played Fate proper one time, and I didn't run it or anything. But I, sure. I've, I, uh, you know, I'm in on the Kickstarter like every other human being on the planet. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's because uh, um, I've never played Spirit of the Century, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that in a lot of ways that the whole sort of the way that the fate core unfolded, I think that um, it was, it was just good to be sort of in on something, right? Like I, I it's going to be an excellent product. There's no question about that. But right. what I mean is it was all, it almost felt to me like a kind of a call to arms for, for role, for role plays, you know, right. like this is, we've got some, there is validity in what it is that uh, it is that we do. And we're going to, we're going to show that by, Absolutely. by backing a, uh, by backing a, a product. Now that may be, an incorrect perception, but um, yeah, that's certainly how I felt. I'm mean, like, okay, if these guys are, are doing it. Let's show them that, that, you know, we still want people to produce uh, quality games, which again is not to say that people such as myself producing very, very small games are not producing good stuff, but you know, it's, it's nice to be counted, I guess, in a way. Absolutely. And you know, it doesn't hurt that they, uh, they seem like very likable people. So you, mm, you kind of want to, you want to cheer them on, you know? That's right. Yeah, I mean, Fred Hicks is very, uh, very approachable, and he actually he um, going back to, to to old podcasts and stuff. I listened to um, his episode on Fear the Boot um, when he was talking about uh, getting into uh, publishing things and the possibilities that the digital age had for publishers. Like, there was no requirement for you to have ten thousand bucks to lay down for the purposes of setting up an offset printer to um, to print your works and. You know, you could you could print a PDF and you could sell the PDF and you've got zero overheads and so on and so forth. And I've done a bit of writing um, here and there, but never sort of thought about publishing. And then um, I thought, well, you know, I could I could probably do that. So uh, and uh, NaNoWriMo came along in November of t- 2010 
And I thought, well, you know what, here's an opportunity for me to do NaNoWriMo because I thought about doing it for a while and then I'll do a game at the same time. So I wrote about 50,000 words there and got most of the game out and then uh, added about another 25,000 and some art and so forth. And then about, I suppose, about $1,000 altogether. I had 100 printed books in my hand that included the money I spent on art. I was very, very lucky in this respect because all of the art was public domain art, apart from the stuff I commissioned. So it was a pretty cheap outlay. So for somebody that uh, doesn't ride snow machines around or, you know, go golfing or anything like that, you know, a thousand bucks over a couple of years is, I think is a reasonable amount of money to spend on a, on a hobby, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I love the times we're living in right now. There's uh, I mean, we essentially have a TV show here, kind of, right? A little yeah, yeah, yeah. Show on this yeah, sure. Yes. So the Jetsons here. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> We're coming to you from the future. The future is now, everybody. It's great. Podcasts, wow. do, uh, do webcasts. Everybody's out there watching. Um, so what are you playing now? Let's see. Right at this moment, tomorrow I finish up a um, – a campaign of 316 Carnage Among the Stars mm-hmm. with this with the students. That's that's been going on probably. Oh boy, maybe ten sessions. Yeah, do they know it's finishing? <sighs> they do. They they're they're ready, and then they wanted to go back to Lady Blackbird, but um, right. I don't think we're going to do that. I'm going to try something else out. Mm, sure. Um, what else? I just uh, ran some games at a convention. I ran um, our last Best Hope by Magpie Games and Fiasco. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I noticed on your your feed there there was a picture of you sort of sitting there, and you had some you had fiasco out there, and um, I don't know, didn't notice if Lady Blackbird was on the table, but uh, nah. your your the tag for it was something like you know uh, an indie gamer here surrounded by Dungeons and Dragons or, or words to that effect. Now there's nothing pejorative about about that, right. but um, in terms of representation, um, did you find that people sort of shied away from these strangely shaped books without uh, wizards and warriors and so forth on the cover? We yeah. able to attract people. Um, I was able to get uh, fiasco people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lady who had played before and brought in her family. Uh, I was able to wrangle. Now the catch here was some people I knew to mm-hmm. play our last best hope, and then right. at the end of the evening, I didn't get anyone for three sixteen, which was a disappointment because I was really hyped up to. Yeah, yeah. On that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... it was uh, it was pretty lonely, uh, but not, <laughs> you know. As you know, not all conventions are like that. I'd never no, been that's to this right, one yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's one of the things. You know, like you, you get uh, because, I mean, I find uh, at least for running running Victoria, not so much for the the game, the other games that are working on right now, but um, where you know you're going to be on, yeah, there is a certain amount of pumping up you have to do for yourself ahead of time. You run through the things that might occur and so forth, and so when nobody shows up or at least nobody signs up, then, you know, it, can, it is a, uh, it is a, you know, it can be a letdown. So, um, right. so yeah, I can sympathize with you there, but, you know, I guess that, uh, I mean, at least being present, I mean, maybe it's uh, encourages people to try something a little bit different. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with, with playing Dungeons and Dragons your whole life, but uh, I think that, you know, as much as chicken fingers and French fries are nice, sometimes it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, interesting to give your mouth a bit of a workout yeah. on, on something else. But uh, there you go. Now, now talking about uh, cons, um, you had a brilliant idea for, uh, for an episode, and it was something that I was thinking about also. Not quite along the same lines, but with con season coming up, you were thinking about, you know, what are the sort of things that you really want to take with you when you're, uh, when you're going to a con? There may be some people going to their first cons over the, uh, over the summer, sort of the spring-summer. I know PAX mm-hmm. East is going up in 
four days or, or whatever it is. And, and then from there, it's, you know, there's, I think the next, well, big one, I suppose, would be Origins and then and then Gen Con. But there are a plethora of, you know, small town, uh, even sort of city uh, size uh, cons along the way. So what did you come up with with, with your um, with your musings on those lines? Well, what I ended up doing was the simple uh, milk crate, <laughs> right? What, what I, uh, which seemed to work. What I will probably shoot for, well, not really. I don't really need all that. But the best response I got was from um, John Arcadian from Silvervine Games, and he's also one of the Gnome Stew guys. Right. Uh, he, he pointed me to one of his uh, articles that really broke down uh, his setup, which was pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was basically. Um, File, uh, I don't know what you call it, a file, a carry along file thing with files in it, and then like an accordion a, file. Uh, no, no, no. This is pretty heavy duty, and then he had regular oh. ha- hanging files in there. What, what was interesting is in the hanging files he had you know things like bags of dice and everything, not even just papers. Right, and right. That, and he does a lot of props and stuff, which I normally sure. don't. But he had a bucket too. But he had it mm. down to a science. So uh, yeah. we'll see what we can do there. Seems yeah, like a so- milk, milk crate's pretty good though. Doesn't seem very portable, though. I got to say. Right. No. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I go along, I usually have uh, just in case of emergencies, I have a copy of uh, of Lady Blackbird, um, mm-hmm. photo sort of uh, printed, maybe two to a to a suicide, and then obviously pencils and so forth. Um, and uh, yeah, aside from that, I hadn't really sort of thought, but I guess pencils and, and all that type of carry on, but. Uh, what uh, what cons do you have coming up in your neck of the woods? First of all, roughly where are you, and, and what cons are there perhaps people might be able to go to in that area? Sure, I, I live in northwestern Pennsylvania, right. and uh, so the the regional ones here that I really enjoy are pretty small, really. Uh, Con right. on the Cobb mm-hmm. is uh, probably a mid; it's around seven hundred now. Right. That's in H- Hudson, Ohio. That's a fun. It has a f- different flavor. It's like half art and half. Um, Half gaming because right. the uh, the founder is an artist and a game right. designer. Sure. And um, Gascon in Pittsburgh, uh, that's uh, that's another one that I like. And then um, I'm right now I'm actually spreading out. I have a it's funny I have a big list downstairs of all of the ones I'm thinking about going to. Right. Um, so those are the two ones that I definitely try not to miss. And then there's some smaller events, one day things that I definitely try to hit around here. Right, and have you been to uh, Gen Con or Origins? I've been to Origins. I've never made Gen Con yet. Right. That's a goal. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. It's a pilgrimage you have to make if you're a role player is get to, uh, get to Gen Con uh, at some point. But, um, yeah, so if anybody wants to catch you, are you running at either of those cons? At the smaller ones? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're running. Like, are you planning oh, okay. to run some games? Yeah, I'll, I'll run at both of those games. They're quite a ways away, though. But right. yeah, definitely. At uh, GaspCon, we've already, you know, there's games on demand now. There's a nice little indie group of friends here. Right, sure. So we'll be doing that. And then Con on the Cob, not quite yet, but there was there was definitely more play of indie games there than where I was before, just sure. recently. Okay, yeah. well, you've sort of opened the door to, to this question then. So what's your definition of an indie game? Oh, my. I'm not, <laughs> I'm certainly no scholar. Let me just say, how about uh, when I say it, I mean... Um, heavily narrative, I guess. Well, let me tell you this. Here's the thing. I had to correct myself the other day. This is a good way of answering it on my post. 
uh, I had said that I was the sole indie guy there. And then I felt bad because the uh, Silvervine Games guys over there, who I really love, like on a personal level, they've been to right. some of my events. Um, they're more traditional. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're certainly indie because they're out there doing it on their own and um, yes, doing yeah. their thing. So um, on one hand, typical answer, uh, someone doing it themselves. That's one of the things sure. I really love. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. why my um, that's why my logo is a play on the black flag symbol. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, really, I probably I'm probably thinking of more like narrative based games. Right. I would say certainly yeah, that, not technical, you know, right, not a technical right. answer. Right. So um is somebody that's backed by Kickstarter an indie game? I guess if I'm thinking about it as far as the style of game, um, yeah, sure. sure. What about uh, if you're using the sort of the yardstick of uh, financial backing and so forth? Uh, on Kickstarter, regardless of where the backing's coming from. Yeah, no, on, on Kickstarter, because um, we were talking about uh, Evil Hat, and I don't think they would count as being indie, um, right. certainly in a financial sense um, yeah. anymore. But if you generate your revenue, well, not revenue is not the right word, but if you generate your backing through Kickstarter, is that indie or is that um, or is that uh, too hipster now? Like it's, uh, it's so, right. it becomes so cool that it's not cool anymore. Yeah, I guess I don't mind being uncool. You're, you're, I like this because you're helping me hone my definition here. I, th- <laughs> I think uh, it's nice of you to say I'm helping you hone your definition. Somebody would yeah. say I was like a dog with a bone, and I'm not letting no. anyone go. But. <laughs> no, I think that it, I think my definition's falling apart. I, I definitely, um, yeah. Now I'm saying definitely. I think most of the time, 99% of the time, I'm talking about the style of game. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think that that's sort of transcended um, that sort of that, the initial meaning, which is you know like self-published. Because right, it, I'm, and I'm but don't write to me and tell me how you were playing a story game, you know, back in whenever it was. Because we've had people on here that that have done that, and we've talked about early story games. But in general, if you mm-hmm. wanted to make any money, or if you were commercially producing role-playing games, and you were producing what is now called a traditional game, mm-hmm. um, and so. You know that the meaning of indie back at that time literally meant you know you're writing your own game. Probably a lot of you know heartbreakers um, right. never saw the light of day. But but nowadays, nowadays with that uh, that accessibility, I think that the meaning of of indie is you know is again is is not you know it's not. It's a little bit grayer again, but uh, we could go round and round on this. So I'm going to move right. on to my next question. So what's your favorite book or supplement um, other than Victoria, of course? Okay. Um, that's very hard. So I'm not going to pick a game because um, I, I just can't pick. Uh, right. Now, of course, you're talking role-playing, right? Uh, well, no, no. Lenny Borsera chose uh, a game about uh, – a book about poker. So really the most oh. – basically the most role-playing related – sort of sure. a role-playing related pr- product or something which you draw inspiration from on a regular basis, even if it's just sort of, you know, the warm, fuzzy feelings of going back and reading something you owned when you were, you know, right. nine or ten. Right. Um, I think what I would say is uh, – boy, I want to say two things. So I – we'll see if you let me get away with it. Um Lady Blackbird is one of those things. It's not like I play it every day or every month or anything, but uh, like I've said before on social media, um, if I, 
it's one of those games I look at it and I think, wow, if I, if I can't do anything better than that and that thing's free, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't bother, which is probably the wrong attitude. But, I mean, it's just <laughs> – yeah. I hope so. I hope it is the wrong attitude. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm wasting my time. I don't really believe that, but I just – it's one of those things in the world that's just uh, one of those nice, beautiful, free things that mm. – I mean, I don't know. I pull it out every single time and you think – Man, this is really good, and there's the rules right there. Right, right. I know. Sure. You know. I guess I would have to pick that as far as just because so many things can come from that. Sure. Okay, and you said you had a second one there. I'll let you have as many as you like. Yeah, sure. Um, this is one that uh, I would say the books from Engine Publishing are just so impressive. Uh, these are the uh, Story Plots book, Eureka, and then they have the Masks book, which is uh, like a bunch of NPCs. Sure. And um, they also just put out, uh, well, not just, but Never Unprepared. It's like a uh, guide to preparing for games. Right. But they just, they just seem like the type of books that, um, like a dictionary. I mean, if you sit them there and you're playing the type of game where you would need that, yes, you can, you can just breathe a sigh of relief. It's all right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. those sort of toolkit type books are uh, are, are very uh, very good. I, I the sort of things that are in those books, the stuff that I used to spend hours sort of writing out ahead of time, so that I'd have those to uh, <laughs> right. have those to hand, right? So, so yeah, that's, right. Uh, I can I can endorse those types of uh, books for sure. I think it just but, seems to me that what what they're doing, what they do just as good or better than anybody else mm, uh, mm. as far as that goes so uh, is there anything that you're looking forward to coming out perhaps a future favorite no doubt um the spark rpg right i'm well, looking forward to that. that well i just love that. i don't i tomorrow um i post a, a textual interview with uh, uh jason pitt on that and i just um his first off i was intrigued immediately about the whole thing of challenging your beliefs Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the questions asks him uh, who would like this game, gamer or not. And he said, not that I'm either of these things, but uh, the same thing these people are interested in, I am too. He said philosophers, intellectuals, people that want to think about these deeper thoughts. Right. Um, I don't know. I just love the idea of a game like that challenging my my beliefs and making me think about uh, things. Probably just like Dogs in the Vineyard probably does, even though I've not played it. Sure. Um, and I'm just sort of racking my brains here because I, I read uh, Jason's uh, – a couple of Jason's posts and I, I read some referrals and so forth. Uh, is, it, is it on Kickstarter at the moment or is it – It is. It's already funded. He's got, I think, right. 20 some days. Right, right. And that's yep. – uh, and, yeah, so if you go to – if you want to get in on that, um, I'm not sure what the rewards are or what the stretch goals are and so forth, but – if you if you look that up, then uh, there's lots of information there, and you can and you can check it out for yourself. But um, yeah, I think it's something that's yeah. I think that it's uh, definitely at the um, like you say, sort of the intellectual philo- philosophical end of uh, right. role playing rather than tactical. But you know, like I say, you know, you can't eat chicken fingers and French fries for every meal. <laughs> um, so if you could be a player or a GM, uh, which would you choose and why? I think I would be a GM because I uh, have more control over when I can play that way. Sure, Uh, sure, sure. And there's a certain pleasure in learning the rules, Mm -hmm. wrestling with them. I'm not the fastest learner of rules, so um, when I feel like I have them down, I don't know. I have a sense of accomplishment, and sure, yeah. But those two things. 
Yeah, well, you're definitely not the slowest. I think I'm the worst when it comes no, to... No, I uh, don't doubt that. Well, I don't know. Uh, just ask the people that I nag for rules <laughs> clarifications constantly. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I just don't even, I just don't even hassle anyone. I'm just like, just, yeah, I'll play. I'll just tell me which which guys will pick up here. Um, so, um, when you, uh, so when you say you sort of like the control of uh, of when uh, when it is that you're going to play and so forth, um, is that are you finding uh, or did you find as somebody who's been away from the hobby for a while, that it took a bit of time to gather up a group of people to play with? Well, n- no, because when I, when I was coming back, I had already had this school gaming club. So those are the people right. that I have over since those uh, years have probably played with the most. But at this point, I have some um, infrequent right now um, adult players that I also play with right. uh, board games as well as uh, – role-playing games right right what's your favorite board game right now i'm really liking lords of Waterdeep. i guess okay can you tell me about that i, I don't know anything about that game at all yeah i guess um i'm not a, a i don't know all the lingo for board games but i yeah D um it's funny because i don't play D very often if ever um D themed mm-hmm. uh, by wizards of the coast right um i guess you would call it worker placement and you basically try to um, score points by fulfilling quests, moving your guys around the... It's a very light Euro, according to the board game people. So that's good right. enough for me, with right. a theme that I enjoy. Fair enough, yeah. What, I think one of my favorite games um, was uh, Talisman, uh, back in, mm. oh, I don't know, it would have been nine, mid-1980s, perhaps late right. 1980s, to the point where I took the trouble of photocopying the boards and the pieces and stuff like that and putting them on top of cereal boxes so I could actually have the game at tone myself. I think I probably put more time into making that than I did into actually playing the game subsequently because the, uh, it didn't occur to me at the time. But thinking back, uh, you know, I perhaps should have realized that the people that I was going to be able to play the game with, one of those people actually had the proper game. So having the game myself wasn't actually all that, uh, wasn't actually all that helpful. So, But still. I don't think you're alone. I've seen other people. Uh, ben Gerber of uh, right. Troll in the Corner. He's always he's always talking yeah, yeah, about that yeah. game. Well, I, and I tried to get it so that I could play it with my son, but I haven't had much uh, haven't had much luck to get. There's only different editions, and uh, it's hard to know the right one to get now. But um, I probably go for the first one just for nostalgia purposes. So, hmm. how often do you role play, and for how long? Interesting. Um, on a good week, uh, let's say the perfect week um, would be I would play twice with the kids right um those are teenagers lunchtime or do you high school no it's after school um and those vary from one to two hours so it's interesting you know most people play a lot longer Hmm. and then uh, whenever i meet up with um the group in pittsburgh i've kind of been not doing that for a little while because of gas prices but uh sure that would be once a month and then the board game group is once a month Right, and then, and then I, I weasel my little kids into playing every once in a while, and sure. they're on, they're only eight and ten, but mm. I do what I can do. <laughs> sure, well, I mean it's good to give the chance to uh, to play it all, right? That's uh, you know, it, uh, it's having the internet 
uh, makes Hangout games, you know, much more more possible. Um, and I think that people are getting more gaming, um, have more access to gaming than they than they ever have. But I think there's no substitute for you know, actually having people right in front of you and and uh, and playing. So, so whatever right. you can uh, do to get some of that actual, you know, face to face, real face to face, at least uh, role playing is is great. So, um, and so, how long would you play with uh, some of your older role playing um, associates? What's, a, what's an ideal amount of time to play in your opinion? Sure. Oh, to be honest, I'm one of the people. I love the two-hour slot. Maybe, right. maybe, maybe two and a half. Sure. Um, for me, I don't completely understand the four hours. It seems like something that's. Uh, well, I was going to say whose time has come, but I, I think it's just one of those things we do because we've always done it. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I can agree with you there. I think that it takes. <laughs> I think that by the time, I mean. Let me, from my, from my experience, uh, takes, you probably don't get started for about 20, 25 minutes maybe mm-hmm. um, after the, the start time because the games, generally speaking, they abut, right? Like the, some, the game finishes at four and then the next game starts at four. So, you know, you've always got that time. You want to go to the bathroom, get something to eat, all that type uh, of carry yeah. on. So by the time they sit down, I find that, that it's about half an hour. And then right. they grab the then they sort of like grab the characters and talk to each other and oh I've got to do this or I've got to make this call or whatever. So I generally bank on not starting till somewhere between, uh, you know, half, you know, like half to three quarters of an hour. So let's say three quarters of an hour to be safe. So we get started and then I give them a chance. I give people a chance for a break of about ten minutes in the middle and then generally speaking I wrap up about. Um, if probably at about the three hour, just a bit over the three hour bit. So the people can do their last sort of bits, any epilogues that they might happen to be. And then generally speaking, right. people like to part of the fun of the of conventions. They sort of like post-mortem the games as well. You know, that's part of it. And if you, if you run right up to that, that break, that end time, then you don't get a chance to sort of process some of the, the stuff that was going on. You don't get to hear people say, well, you know, when this was happening, I was hoping this was going to happen. And, you know, that, and I think that's all, that's all part of it. So, yeah, you're right. That well, is part. Well, of it. I agree that um, that four hours is a long time if you're just solidly gaming. Um, I think that having a window like that, um, I think, at least in a con setting, gives you you know that complete game experience. At least right. in my opinion. Now, it's I my do, show, so I'm right. I do like the idea of uh, like when I was going to write run three sixteen. Um, I'm you know, part of it's probably because I'm so used to cramming those sessions in those two hours. Um, um, I like the idea of though, like in 316, you can run two missions during the thing. And then the people can get the experience of leveling up and, you know, that's a big part of that game. So sure. Yep. Yeah. I think the swings and roundabouts, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for the four hour, uh, four hour slot, certainly, but I think you're absolutely right in terms of you wouldn't actually get four hours worth of gaming in there. That's a pretty, uh, it's pretty intense. Um, but hey, you know maybe it's the type of game too, right? Like I think the more narrative-driven games are more demanding um, than perhaps a, a tactical game, at least in terms of you know using up your. If you're trying to inhabit your character, there's a lot more emotional energy involved in that than than driving your dude around and killing goblins and getting and treasure and, and so forth. Right. A different type of fun, but perhaps more uh, less conducive to playing for long periods of time. Um, so, how do you prepare for a game session? Um, let me go back to the rules thing. Uh, I am a fan of the, uh, I draw out flow, flow charts of the rules. Right, sure. Uh, once again, because I have a hard time with them often. Um, and so many of the games don't require that much prep that uh, I'm not really a good one to talk to about traditional prep. Although, you know, what's really funny is that um, since I 
haven't done that really much since I was a teenager. I'm sort of getting an itch to just to see again what it's like. It's kind of funny. Yeah. You know, it, it actually part of it's just to get a new perspective on what I actually enjoy, you know, to see once again where things came from. And I know I see kids playing at school. They play Pathfinder a lot. So I have a clue. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know. Like you said, it's a different kind of fun. And yeah, it's not, not for everybody for sure. Yeah, so um, do you or should GMs fudge dice rolls? Mm, the games I play, no. I, w I would rather make the – I like the idea of making the, the fiction fit what happens. I like that creative – yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no. There's no question. Yeah. I, but going along with that, um, I think it requires um, it requires experience and also uh, confidence. True. Uh, but some of these, you know, a lot of times the groups that I'm in, you know, people, and I think the games even say this in the rules sometimes is, it's okay to actually get help from everybody. You know, mm. if you're if you're creating a collaborative story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're know. talking about games where there is essentially the necessity to uh, to roll dice or. Uh, one of the things that I'm 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 big on, um, and I've sort of solidified my ideas about this over the the last year and a bit through talking to people is that you know never you know, never pick up the dice if one of the outcomes is nothing happens, right? Like have a have a really strong idea that if it if you're successful this is going to happen. If you roll really really well, then this is going to happen. But oh. if you don't roll well, then this is going to happen. So the story's got to move. If you pick up the dice and roll, the story's got to move. So um, part of that, I guess, is, um, uh, and I'm not sure which game this is in, uh, but uh, setting out what's going to happen, you know, like before the dice are rolled. Okay, you want to make a roll now? Okay, this is what's going to happen if you succeed. This is what's going to happen if you fail. Because part of that... Um, part of sort of owning your character or player agency, if you want to be jargony, is uh, being able to control um, every aspect of your player. Uh, so every, every aspect of your character, sorry. So if you roll a fail and then the GM goes, ah, you failed and now this happens and that happens and your pants fall down and everybody laughs, you need to kind of like, well, that sucked. Right. right. And that sort of removes your, you know, you, you lose the cool of your, uh, of your character. But um, setting all that stuff out ahead of time, you know what the stakes are. And then yeah, I think, again, it's an ideal time for you to draw in, like you're saying, uh, get some help on sort of things that might happen. Right. There's a game uh, that two kids uh, have been begging me to play again. It's uh, just a little small game. I think it's five bucks maybe called mm -hmm. The Questing Beast right. it's by James West. And it's just um, – it's based on the pool uh, system. Uh, and that's exactly what you do when you come to a part. The person has to say, I forget the terms he used, but they say, okay, here's what I want to happen. And if I succeed, here's what happens. And mm. once again, if I fail, here's what happens. And it's fun because the players are usually uh, sometimes harder on themselves than maybe a, a GM would be. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you roll and they have to narrate either way. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, that's, I think it's a, an important um, thing that's developed over the relatively recent past is this idea that, that the players should rather than, than could, or maybe if they're lucky can get involved in that decision-making process. I think it makes it more enjoyable for, uh, for everybody. Now, um, do you, can I ask you something? Yeah. Do you like the idea in that particular game? I think, uh, well, I'm not sure. Do you like the idea that once the, st once the stakes are set, that the player can change their mind? Do you like that level of 
Uh, it de- out of the it game. depends. It really depends. I mean, if you're talking about a situation where the player is, you know, standing at the at the back of an aeroplane, flying along at you know five thousand feet, getting ready to jump out, and rolling well means this, and rolling, you know, and not rolling well means that, then you have to not only say what happens if you roll badly, so like the parachute gets hooked up or something like that, or if you roll well, then the um, you know then you jump out and and it and it's amazing. But also, what happens if you don't act? Ah, so you choose. So we've got to this point. Hmm. This is what happens if you fail. This is what happens if you succeed. But right. here's what happens if you do nothing. If you just bottle out and and you know. I like that. Everything, because because you've got to keep the story moving forward. Because that's right. just that. Because that's almost the same as no result, right? Okay, well I'm Absolute. not going to do it, and then we're standing there staring at our shoes, right? <laughs> you know, you, in right. real life, that doesn't happen, right? It's all. I mean, inertia is a strong thing to overcome, but you know, uh, in real life, that that's disappointing, right? And in a game, you know, you should to you should try do one thing or the other, or the story goes forward from this. I like that. But uh, but yeah, that's that's my two cents on on that one. So who's your favourite villain and why? I would have to say the uh, the Heath Ledger Joker because right. just he's completely terrifying because of his uh, you know he's just an anarchist he doesn't care. Uh, right. I've always thought it would be so scary to be at the hands, God forbid, of someone who has no mercy or mm. you know. Now that's funny because you know I don't know if you'd consider him a black and white character, and a lot of I've on the show, you know, people usually try to pick someone who is you know a little more complex. Well, I think he is complex to a to a degree. I mean, he, he may be remorseless, but I don't think that necessarily uh, means that he's completely random, right? Like he 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 may be unaffected emotionally by any of the things that he does, but he does them for. I mean, at least in my opinion, he does them for some perhaps unfathomable, or at least unfathomable to me, reason. But he's not a psychopath in the sense that, um, yeah, I don't know how to just characterize him as a as just a psychopath that, well, at least not in the TV sense of a psychopath anyway, not right. the clinical sense of a psychopath. But he doesn't appear to uh, get any joy from killing people per se. He likes what it says and and what it, the effect that it has on almost more of the effect that it has on the people around them. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. He doesn't just go around like just shooting up the town. It seems like mm. he, he is on a mission. I like the way you put that. Yeah. Remorseless. Um, and it seems like he would be with that merciless <laughs> on the way mm. to becoming uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of getting what it is that he wants, but yeah, he's a complicated character. I don't, uh, I don't. I mean, yeah, and and probably made somewhat more mysterious because Heath Ledger died and didn't get a chance to, you know, talk a lot about, you know, what his motivations were. I mean, all of right. that stuff. I mean, the 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 veil would have been pulled back. I mean, I don't know whether he, how forthcoming he was in um, talking about his character. So, for example, in Brokeback Mountain or or any of the the more the serious roles that he took on. But um, I think that the more that somebody talks about something, the less magical or mystical it becomes, and because you know, it was such a well thought of performance, whether that had something to do with them dying or not, I don't know. But, you know, like the more of those un- those peels would come off, right? And it would become less and less magical. Um, and I think in a lot of respects that sort of goes along with, uh, with you know, with Kurt Cobain and, um, 
and uh, John Lennon and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and the people that that died young they don't have a chance to um, they don't have a chance to lose their mystique right they that they, is right, they go yeah. out on, on top so to speak so you know I think that people today would feel the same way about John Lennon if he was still alive as they feel about Paul McCartney right I think you're right yeah yeah, that was Sorry. quite a, quite a performance. That's going to go down in uh, nerd history, mm. I believe. Oh yeah, oh there's, yeah, there's, there's no question, and I think that it will retain that that place because it will. Um, it, nobody will have the chance to categorically analyze, you know, what's going on, and he will never say, you know, we'll actually based it on Keith Richards, like say for example, right, like, yeah. like Johnny Depp and uh, and Jack Sparrow, right? You know, that, yeah. for me, that removed a little bit of the removed a little bit of the mystique. Like, I'm not trying to hold up Jack Sparrow against the Joker, but they've got, both got a certain something sure. about them that's compelling. And I think the more you know about it, the less compelling it is, right? That's a good least, point. Yeah, at least that's that's my opinion. So, do you have any dice superstitions? Absolutely not. No? Zero. Yeah. None. <laughs> have you seen any <laughs> weird ones? Huh. Yes. Uh, I was uh, sitting uh, with someone who had. Um, person i really like sitting there with her uh dice um they were pretty special looking i don't know if they were ivory i don't know what they were uh i touched them and i could tell i had crossed the line seriously not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. i've been there yeah that's, i had to i had to apologize i, I mean <laughs> i yeah I, you know that those are inanimate objects and i you know i'm sorry i guess i mean I that was bad you know, view, I, but like I wasn't even in your personal space, but clearly I've offended you deeply, and and for that I apologise. To be fair, the the ladies that were in my game whose dice I touched were were, were reasonably good natured about it, but they made no bones about the fact that they had to put them away and get different ones out. But, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> well, this person was very kind, and she did not take new ones out. I don't think, but I could see the look in the face of <laughs> the look of disgust on her face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with, with you there. Okay, so um, if you could role play with four people, uh, living or dead, who would you use? And you can't, you can't choose family members or people that you play with now, or, or sure. game designers, but just four people you think would be interesting to role play with, and why? Living or dead? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They don't have to. They can be like historical figures, or they can be even fictional characters, if you like. Ah, oh, this is no problem, actually. Um, well, maybe it is. I would pick a Billy Collins, a poet. He was a poet laureate of the U.S. not too long ago. I'm probably losing track of time. I just love his poems, and he would be great. Uh, I'd like to hear his language while he's telling a story. Right. I would pick... Hmm. I would pick... Uh, I keep... Uh, I'm. I'm going back and forth between Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg, maybe one of those guys. Right. For Which similar one? reason. Um, you have to choose here. Okay. I'll, I'll pick you Jack Kerouac. You can have Kerouac. them both if you like, but then you've only got one. Uh, no, no, no. I don't want to have them both. They, they fulfill too much of the same role here for me. Sure. Um, okay. Maybe Jack Kerouac, just because I'd like to, kind of the similar way. He'd tell a good, mm -hmm. play Ribbon Drive with him. That's a game about a road trip. That would be fun. Right. right. Uh, wow. They all flashed through my mind, and then I, uh, hold on. <laughs> this um, is live television, you know. This is dead uh, air. Robin Williams. All right. Yeah. Because uh, he would be quick and fast and mm. uh, fun. And then I would pick hmm, not a game designer, you say, right? Someone living. Uh, you could use a game designer if you if you, if you like. Nah, it. it's okay. Let me go for a dead person. That's always good. Um, 
my gosh. This is really bad. Hold on. Uh, how about... I'm drawing a blank. Well, are you interested in anybody from history? Like, would you take William Shakespeare, say, for example? Mm, yeah, but I deal with him too much in school. How about... Uh... Well, you've got some serious questions for him. <laughs> That's true. Um, how about Doctor Who? Doctor Which doctor? Then? David, David Tennant. David Tennant? David Tennant's your doctor? Yeah, I think so. And why is that? That would be, that would be fun. Oh, uh, because it was all kind of new to me at the time, and I, right. uh, he, was, he was the second one I had ever seen, and um, I don't know. I just think, you know what I mean, the first experience. and Oh, uh, sure. He was just good. Sure. Plus, I, I can't deny the whole Rose uh, Doctor Who thing was fun. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably – I mean – it's been a long time since I've sort of seriously sat down and, and studied Doctor Who, but I'm trying to think. The the recent Doctors certainly seem more um, invested in their companions than the old Doctors, than the old Doctors were. There was never any suggestion that there could be anything between, well, at least not that right. I recall. <coughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's better or worse, but I can certainly see that that creates a real divide um, between Doctor Who fans, right? The old and the new Doctor Who fans, almost to the point where, although the character is the same and the TARDIS is the same, it's a different sort of uh, different sort of feeling to it, at least mm-hmm. from my perspective. And and do you do you like the old Doctor Who, or do you find it kind of hokey? I haven't seen that much of it. Uh, when I right. do watch it, I don't want to offend any Doctor Who fans. I mean, uh, I do get a little... well. Why worry about it now? I mean... uh, that's right. Um, as a person not too knowledgeable about it, I would say that I do get that sort of nice feeling I get when I'm watching a Godzilla movie or something like that. Right, sure. Which I like. I like that. But... <laughs> don't take that now. <laughs> you think that's terrible, don't you? Okay, is good. What are you going to play? Say that again. What game are you going to play with those four people? Oh, okay. Um... Ooh, this would be funny. How about uh, Monster Hearts with those people? That would be pretty All right. funny. Are you going to run? Uh, and and uh, and uh, are you going to play? I actually would like to play that. I think. So who's going to be in charge? Ooh, it would have to be one of us, huh? Ooh. I'm afraid so. Yeah, Robin Williams. Robin Williams is going to be. Yeah, that, I can see that. <laughs> as long as not all of his character with a genie, you know, that'd be the thing. I, I, I often find it. Uh, I often find it difficult to. Um, I think he's so even when he's on interviews, he's so high energy, and and that's and that's just who he is, right? But I wonder whether at the gaming table that might be, you know, like I think I think I'd say, you know, I want the uh, Goodwill Hunting. Um, You're right, Robin Williams, right? Yeah, I don't, I think I don't so. want the, what dreams may come, Robin Williams. I don't want the one hour photo, Robin Williams, but I'll take the beautiful hunting, Robin Williams. I think you're right, yeah. If, I, if I'm getting a chance to dream. Um, so if you could become a character in a role playing game, uh, what would it be? Which, what game would it be in, and, and what uh, character uh, would it be? So this is not like you can just roll up a character and play, like all of a sudden you are that character in that world with all of the concerns that a character in that world would have. So if you die, you really die. So if you choose somebody dangerous, then. You better be hoping for a, a good time rather than oh. a long time. Oh, so you're saying if I could become that person, that yeah, character. Yeah, you, you are going to become – I mean, you don't have to become a – you can become a type of character if you like, but mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, but you're actually going to go to a certain genre and you're going to live there and you're going to be sure. a character in that – be a person oh, at that time. Oh, boy. Um, 
I think uh, off the top of my head, now this is uh, insane, and I hope this doesn't uh, forebode anything bad. Uh, maybe um, I haven't played many investigative games, so right. but, but I like creepy stories that aren't actually scary, which is right. going to offend some people too. So maybe an investigator in a kind of like a Cthulhu-type game. Uh, but without Cthulhu? <laughs> Yeah, but I think I might I might like um oh my gosh, I just about said I might like the experience of going crazy. Uh, <laughs> boy, I don't know. I I'm such a chicken. I think I am I think I am drawn to that because uh because I'm so afraid of it maybe. Well, that is crazy. I just asked for my own death there, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really, I don't really have any desire to go out and like be some sort of great warrior or anything. Right. So, something more like that, something more right. cerebral, or you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that that's certainly the the choice that I would make. I'd be like a fox molder type, probably. I, you know, like that, a, there we go. That's what I was. I was like, I was trying to get at someone who's trying to a seeker. There mm, you go. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think I'd be more like a hunter's hunted, sort of the supernatural type. Um, uh, style rather than being alien style, although the supernatural was involved there, but sort of more sort of mythological supernatural, if you like. Right. I guess it's all yeah. mythological to a degree. But um, alrighty, so um, hell exists, and uh, you are sent there and condemned to play a certain style of, of game for uh, forever. What what sort of game would it be? And this doesn't mean like I don't want to play, um, you know, Victoria because I don't like it. It's more like uh, the way that a game goes that you would not find enjoyable, or something about a game that you would not find enjoyable. Okay. Oh, it would be a game with a ton of math. Uh, and on top of that ton of math, just to resolve certain... And I don't mind a little bit. And like I said, I kind of have a hankering for a little traditional game just to round out my experience. But um, mm -hmm. lots of math, uh, especially when it comes to character creation. I'm one of those people that uh, I don't go crazy for all the customization and stuff. I sure. I guess I should, but I don't mind someone handing me a pre-generated character. That's right, yeah. Uh, yep. And then, and at the same time, everybody would have a cell phone out right, while, nice. while I'm trying to play. I cannot, I cannot stand that. Yeah. Are you running the game or are you a player in the game? And they're doing that. I would be running the game. Right, right. And who's playing then? Who, what four people would you want to play with the least? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, and you can choose people from history. It's probably a good idea to choose uh, like uh, yeah. either fictitious characters or uh, people you're unlikely to actually meet. Although feel free to dig yourself uh, a hole there. Right. Okay, let's see. Um, I can't pick character people types or uh, you can you can pick types. whatever you, you can pick whatever you like. You're the guest. You can do what you like. All right. Well, definitely the uh, I hate to say it, the teenager. See, I experienced this. Who um, thinks that they can have a headphone in one ear and a uh, iOS game in their hand and also try to play the game? That would definitely right. be one. Well, you've, you've already had that, so I'm not going to accept that as an answer. You've already <laughs> okay. got people using cell phones. There's people you were running the game. People are using cell phones, but I want to know who these people are that are using their cell phones with their earbuds and all that type of stuff. Okay. Um, and I'm in hell. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is your game in hell. Yeah. You can. You're. you're oh my it's gosh. the worst possible punishment. That's taking your favorite thing to do and making it the least favorite thing to do for all eternity. <laughs> okay. Uh, how? Oh. <laughs> you all right? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the uh, backside of my computer. You're going to have to just deal with uh, Pete's chatting away while I try and resurrect my, uh, my, my, uh, my, my, my camera. Here we are. I'll pull this cord. 
you'll see it slowly re slowly reappear. Oh, look, there's me. I like it. You're buying me time. <laughs> That's right. It was interesting. People got to see behind the scenes, literally behind the scenes. All right. Here, here we go. I would pick um, Ted Bundy would not be fun to play with in hell because um, <laughs> <laughs> because he's Ted Bundy. Right. Sure. Um, and he might have his mind on other things, possibly. Yeah. Well, other I don't players, get, perhaps. I don't, yeah, I don't want to get any grosser than that. Um, Definitely, uh, let's see, someone who doesn't really want to play. And for All some, right, nice, yeah. Uh, I can't stand that. He decided to sit down to play, and I don't know if it's for goodwill or whatever, but the entire time you can tell passive-aggressively that they don't want to play. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, someone who does uh, maybe want to play, but they constantly sort of are uh, condescending about it. Like they can't right, join right. join in the game because it's uh, I don't know constantly you know what I mean like they can't uh, they're talking about how nerdy it is and just laughing right and, right okay the sort of just, like self loathing self loathing type situations uh, like a they just can't enjoy it at all mm -hmm. and then but, this is a, I'm not really giving you real people I'm sorry except for no Ted you Bunny. don't have to give me you don't have to give me real people that's fine yeah Ted Bunny's right. good. And then I would uh, say, uh, this is kind of a typical answer, but either the boyfriend or the girlfriend who um, doesn't want to be there. See, all my answers are the same. People that don't want to be there. That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. fine. Uh, but that, I guess that's the answer. People that don't want to be there. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there's something to be said for, uh, if, I'm, if I'm playing in hell, there's something to be said for, for people that do want to be there, but they want to be, uh, you know, they want to be in charge. They want to do the game their way at the exclusion of everybody else's fun. A good point. Yeah, I had a rough one. I had a rough time with that question. <laughs> You're not being graded on this, at least not by me. Um, my audience will uh, will soon tell you. Um, so, uh, okay, so what about uh, the penultimate question? Um, so... What are your rules for, and what are the best role-playing snacks? Oh, okay. Um, fruit. Is that good or is that bad? Oh, okay. I thought I was giving you the best snacks, right? Well, no, I was just double-checking that you weren't, uh, you know, you had misinterpreted my question and were giving me, you know, the worst snacks, because I could have believed that that was the worst snack. It's fruit. Oh, okay, does uh, it come in a brown bag? Does your mum write, I love you, on the outside of the bag? Uh, no, not anymore. Uh, that would be my, that would be my wife. Um, a sandwich. Yeah. You know, I did miss the first part of the question. So the, you said something about rules. Did you say rules first? Yeah. Like what are your rules for role, for role playing snacks? You know, like some people will bring oh, okay. along their snacks and they'll hoard them. Like if you bring along your snacks, you put them in the middle <laughs> and everybody gets to have a go at them or. Right. Yeah. I, I like that. If, uh, if possible, uh, it's nice to share. And, um, uh, right now, I'm trying to lose weight. So, to be honest, uh, usually baby carrots. This is going to sound boring. Celery. Okay, don't no, no, stop. I'm stopping you there. No more talk about baby carrots and healthy food. No, I don't want to hear anything about that. Okay, what about Voldemort or Darth Vader? I have to say Voldemort or my wife will kill me. <laughs> Jesus, and why, she... why, just because of your wife, you're scared of your wife, so you have to say Voldemort? Yeah, yeah there was a period in our, in our life where there was not – an audiobook of Harry Potter not playing at any point in any vehicle in any part of the house. And uh, so, so who, uh, who's reading it though? 
Is it Stephen Briggs' audio version or is it uh, Stephen uh, Fry's? Um, no, it's um, Jim Dale, I think. Oh, Jim, yeah. uh, Jim Dale, sorry. Yeah, 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 that's right. Jim Dale, yeah. See, yeah. I know that, and I wasn't even listening to them. So. <laughs> well, you say you weren't listening. So you've not read the books? You've only heard the audio book? Uh, part of, like a few of them, two or three. And have you read Lord of the Rings? I have read um, Fellowship of the Ring and parts of the other ones and The Hobbit. Mm. That's a D minus on yeah. uh, on the nerds, on role yeah. playing, on role playing credibility. There. Okay, so who's your favorite, John McClane or uh, Han Solo? Oh, Han Solo. He's funny. He's funny. He is uh, cocky with and still likable. It's it's difficult to carry that off. That's true. Um, what about uh, Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Ooh, Indiana Jones. I think because. Um, Ooh, I just like the I like the those adventures that he would go on. That kind of goes back to the question earlier about what kind of game I would like to be in. Wow, mm. that actually now I changed my answer. I would like to be Indiana Jones. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, he's there's pretty dangerous stuff that he gets into there, but I, not too not too spooky, right? Yeah, but okay. it's a good way. It's a good way to go out. Mm. <laughs> what about uh, Princess Leia or uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Ooh. I would say Princess Leia, just because I've um, grown up more with her than. Sure. So, a poster of her in a bikini above your bed, that sort of territory? <laughs> no? Right, with, uh, with Jabba and. Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not with Jabba in the same picture, but, you know, whatever, whatever floats your whatever floats your boat, I guess. Uh, so, here's a philosophical question for you. Uh, yes. Since you fancy yourself somewhat of a philosopher, is Princess Leia still a princess? This shows you how not philosopher I am. Uh, why? What, what, well, all the run got blown up. I mean, in order to be a princess, you've got to like have some sort of a land to to have as you know, like to be the princess of. You know, if you've got no people, are you a princess? Yes. She is still a princess. princess. You think that you're intrinsically a princess? Every woman is a princess, sir. Oh, good grief! Is your wife just out of frame here somewhere? That's okay, right. All right. Pete Figtree, for all the marbles then, um, you've got 100 points to split up between system GM and players. How are you going to split them up? Sure. Uh, 45 system. 45. Right. Watch me not even add up to 100. 45 players and 10 GM just because of the type of games I enjoy the most. Ladies and gentlemen, Pete Figtree. Thank you. And that's it for episode 59 of Penny Red. Uh, if you want to tune in uh, to the audio version of this, then you're going to, uh, it'll be out not this weekend, but uh, the following weekend. So I think this one goes out on March the 31st. So fair warning, if you watch this, uh, you are going to have to go without a podcast for a couple of weeks because I am on a holiday. But to keep my streak going, you will be able to get it um, an audio version in a week's time. So until two weeks from now, I guess, or one week, depending if you just listen to the audio version, keep talking the walk. Mm -hmm.